Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to welcome all of our viewers. Thank you for tuning in. As you can tell, we are starting a little bit later than normal tonight. Not by choice, but after thinking about it for a little bit, why not? The majority of our viewers, as with any live show, come in after the live stream ends. So maybe give an opportunity to some people who are not able to watch us live particularly those on the West Coast. Uh, I'm on the East Coast, and our normal start time uh, in the West Coast is between 6.30 and 7.30 p.m. So, what, it's 8.19 now on the West Coast. Maybe we'll get some extra West Coast viewers to be able to watch us live. Either way, want to welcome all of you. Zoe is with us, Viviana, Lisa, Philip, Rivera, Samuel is also with us. Uh, as is Khaleesi, want to welcome Ward, Fox, Mulder, love the name, Fox Mulder, from the X-Files. So it's my pleasure to be here with you guys tonight, the start of the weekend, hope everyone's having a good day. And, um, you know, in the next week or two, we're going to be making a big announcement. Uh, as you know, well, you may not know, Dead Talk Live is produced by Dead Talk Media, uh, LLC, my production company, and we're putting together something really big and exciting. Uh, primarily because, you know, we have a lot of followers. We have 360 plus thousand followers combined throughout our social media networks. And, you know, you hear a lot of people, their goal, especially the younger generation, you know, their goal is to get a lot of followers on social media. And whenever someone approaches me, I go to them, well, okay, you know, let's say you do get that magic number, whatever that number might be, what are you going to do? I mean, of course, the number one answer is make money. Everyone wants to make money, right? They want to become some sort of influencer, but uh, let me tell you guys, doing this now for 16 months, it's, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. Even if you do get the followers, it's hard work. Uh, right now, this one hour a day that I get to spend with you guys, without a doubt, is the funnest hour out of my day. I say that without any hesitation. The one hour that I come here, talk to you guys, talk to our special guests, uh, is by far the funnest hour. So I've always wanted to put our followers and to good use and give something back, not only to our followers, but to the entertainment industry. And by the way, in one week from today, Dead Talk Live is premiering on Screenbox. That's right. We are entering the subscription streaming service uh, horse race, for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, one week from today, Friday the 13th, Dead Talk Live, it is going to premiere uh, on Screenbox. So as I've said before, if you guys want to watch us there, support us, check out Screenbox. They offer, I believe, a one-week free subscription. If you guys want to try it out, Screenbox uh, earlier this year was bought out by a completely different company than the one that started it. They are going to take it to a whole different level and uh, 
give some competition to other horror streaming networks out there. So really excited to be, uh, you know, one of their first acquisitions and in their plans to really expand and make Screenbox really big. We are all very excited here on Dead Talk Live to be a part of something like that. And not only that, I'm going to take it one step further. A show like ours, a genre-specific talk show, it is unique uh, to come to any, uh, you know, official paid subscription streaming service, whether it being Netflix or, in this case, Screenbox or any of the other ones. It's very unique. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of people who are keeping an eye on how well this show does on Screenbox. It could pave the way for a lot of, uh, you know, I don't want to use the term copycats. That's not appropriate. But it can pave the way for a lot of other uh, talk shows to make their way onto, you know, streaming, subscription streaming services. And I think it's great. And I applaud Screenbox. Well, yeah, I'm biased. They, you know, they acquired my show. So, yeah, I am biased in that respect. But if I were to sort of remove myself from that situation, which I ask a lot of my guests to do when they're talking about a particular character or a movie that they made, and just look at it from the business standpoint, I think it's really, I think it's a really good idea to have a talk show like ours, especially on an exclusive horror streaming service, to promote your movies. Uh, why not? If you guys notice, the one thing that's missing from most uh, subscription services uh, when you're selecting a TV show or a movie to watch is the thing that uh, you got with Blu-rays and DVDs that is not really available on streaming services, and that is that little extras button. So I think it's great to uh, add extras to any film, television show, Put interview clips uh, or commentary reviews from a show like ours, Dead Talk Live, and I think it, I think it's a positive. It increases uh, promotion for the movie, the TV show, and I really don't see any downside to it. So anyway, one week from today, we are premiering on Screenbox, so it would be great if you guys can give Screenbox a chance, check it out. They are adding more new, higher-quality movies to their streaming service, and it's a very exciting time. Uh, we're very excited to be a part of that. And also, like I said, in the next week or two, we're going to be announcing some pretty big news uh, in regards to Dead Talk Media, LLC, and what we're putting together for you. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, Lisa is uh of course with us as uh, khaleesi saying yes people will fall in love with this channel when it goes to stream next friday thank you khaleesi so dewank has just joined us saying good morning good morning back to you so we're going to be doing you know as we have been doing the last week or so mixing in some trivia 
along with uh, some of the headlines that we're going to be reviewing today. So without further delay, let's get on to some headlines. Welcome Anita, who's just joined us. And first up, that's not our first story. This is something I had set up for yesterday that I did not get to. The classic horror movie fans of American Horror Stories Baal need to watch. So uh, basically it says, uh, you know, do you like frightening films? Something that will make your spine tingle and your flesh crawl? Well, if you like the fifth episode of American Horror Stories titled Baal, and I'm going to be watching that later on tonight, which features Billy Lord as a woman desperate enough to do anything to give birth to a baby, then you're going to love this classic film. It features a woman whose husband is, is desperate enough to do anything to become famous. This ends badly for everyone but the mother and the baby in both instances. This classic horror picture has become an iconic symbol of demonic horror and its name is synonymous with both the downside of pregnancy and the horrors of motherhood. It's also one of the few horror films to be recognized by the Academy Awards with a screenplay nomination and a victory for a supporting actress. What's the name of the uh sorry, what's the name of this classic film and where can you watch it? Uh Rosemary's Baby. Okay. Rosemary's Baby focuses on Rosemary Woodhouse played by Mia Farrow. A young bride who moves with her husband Guy into a Bramford, into the Bramford, a New York City apartment building with a very dark past. Guy quickly lands a prominent role in a new play, and the young couple decide to celebrate by having a baby. On the night they've set aside for the conception, their busybody neighbor Minnie Castavet played by Ruth Gordon, brings over some uh, mousse, which tastes funny. Soon, Rosemary passes out and fantasizes about conceiving Satan's baby, while her husband and the rest of the building tenants watch. Or is it a nightmare? Rosemary soon learns that she's pregnant, and horrifying signs begin to mount up that her hallucination was no dream, but a real event. Now... I know a lot of us have already watched Rosemary's uh, Baby. If you haven't, uh, you have to. It's a great movie. Uh, and I, I mentioned this before. They redid Rosemary's Baby as a miniseries for television quite a few years ago. Maybe about, I would say now, maybe six, seven years ago. And the concept of the film is the same but it was a very good remake uh, for television. So uh, if you guys haven't checked out and you're a fan of the original Rosemary's Baby, you're going to like this remake. It's a miniseries. Maybe I think it was like three to four episodes long. Not very long, but it tells a story with some different twists. But the basic idea is still the same. So I definitely encourage you guys to check that out. So anyway, want to welcome Marco, who is in Greece right now vacationing. That's right, Marco, our executive producer, he is on vacation while I'm here working my ass off. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying yourself, Marco. Anyway, with that, 
let today we're going to mix up trivia questions yesterday if you watched yesterday's broadcast you know that we got uh some walking dead trivial pursuit questions as well as our uh, ultimate horror uh trivial pursuit questions so today i've got both stacks in front of me and we're going to be alternating back and forth okay you guys are doing amazingly well with these questions and let's see if we can keep it up. So let's just start with the regular ultimate horror one. And where are the categories? Here they are. Let's see. We are going to start off with paranormal, the paranormal category, which seems to be the easiest category so far. So the question goes, at the end of Mama 2013, great film, with whom does Lily elect to stay, Annabelle or the titular Mama? Multiple choice. You can 50-50. Pick. At the end of the movie Mama in 2013, with whom does Lily elect to stay, Annabelle or the titular Mama? If you guys haven't watched this movie, you got to watch it. It's a great movie. Khaleesi writes Annabelle. Any other guesses out there? No, sorry, Khaleesi. The answer is Mama. That's who she decides to stay with. All right, let's do some Walking Dead. And the categories for the Walking Dead questions are characters, episodes, the dead, locations, events, or milestones, and the last one is wild card. So let's go with episodes, okay? What episode flashbacks filled in what Carol did at the prison and after Rick banished her? So they're looking for the episode name, which is very difficult. Most people can remember season and episode number, but when it comes to the episode titles, that's where people don't really remember. So what's the episode name? that is filled with flashbacks regarding what Carol did at the prison and after Rick banished her. It's actually a lot simpler than you think. Take a guess. Okay? It's uh, the, ep you know, you know, you guys can take a guess. I mean, it's not that simple. Any guesses out there? I know it's a hard one. No, everyone has gone quiet. The episode is titled Consumed. Consumed. Okay, since there was a complete silence on that one, let's just uh, keep going with the Walking Dead questions. And we're doing the category The Dead. During the group's night in the barn after Tyrese's... Oh, no, this, wait, we did this yesterday. Hold on getting duplicate questions here hold on let's do it this way all right so the dead okay one second i'm even confusing myself with these big stack of cards in front of me all right the dead who killed beth first and last name who killed beth now i know you guys know the first name at least most of you know the name of the the, well, the name, the first name of the person who killed Beth. But do you know their last name as well? 
Anybody? Poor old Beth Green. You know, she got shot in the head because she did a stupid thing by stabbing this person in the shoulder. And she blew Beth's head off and Daryl immediately retaliated by shooting her. So anybody want to take a guess at the first and last name of the person who killed poor old Beth? No? Nobody? Man, you guys are being stumped today. Well, can you at least give me the first name on who killed Beth? Come on, guys. Anybody? I know you guys know. Okay, Khaleesi writes, Dawn is the only part I remember. And you are correct. Officer Dawn. And the last name is Lerner. Dawn Lerner. All right. Let's go to Ultimate Horror Trivia, and let's go to Psychological. In what direction does protagonist Michelle drive at the end of 10 Cloverfield Lane, Baton Rouge to safety, or Houston to fight? You remember that scene at 10 Cloverfield Lane when she gets away? And she comes up to a crossroad, a uh, fork in the road, and she has to pick. Does she pick Baton Rouge for safety or Houston to fight? Lisa says Houston. Anybody else with a, with a guess? It could be either. It's 50-50. Safety or fight? You know, Houston or Baton Rouge? Uh, it looks like we're only going to get one guess, and she chooses to go to Houston to fight. Very nice, Lisa. And Zoe. Zoe just chimed in as well. All right, let's go back to The Walking Dead. Events and milestones. Who beat Eugene? Oh, this is so easy. Who beat Eugene for lying about being a scientist? After that previous hard one, I think you guys deserve an easy one. Who beat the hell out of Eugene, knocked him out cold when the truth came out about him knowing the uh, place to go in Washington, D.C. that could end the zombie outbreak? Lisa Abraham. Good job. I know a lot of you guys know that one, but Lisa was the first one to chime in, as did Khaleesi. All right. Let's stay with The Walking Dead and go to Wild Card. Haha, <laughs> this is another easy one. What letter did Gareth Group paint on the church? Maybe it's not so easy. What letter did Gareth Group paint on the church? And there's a reason why he painted this letter. Lisa A. Do you, this is not part of the question, Lisa, but do you know why he put the A on the church? Does anybody know why he put the letter A, why Gareth put the letter A on the church where the group was hiding out in after they got away from Terminus? Come on, somebody has to know. Why did he put the letter A? In fact, there was an episode I think it's the episode right before it that is titled just A. 
Ah, Lisa, good job. That was the train car they were in. Nice, Lisa. You are, man, Lisa, you are kicking ass in this Walking Dead trivia. Let's see. Uh, let's go back to episodes. Maybe challenge Lisa a little bit. Who did Sasha kiss in the episode titled Strangers? Who did Sasha kiss? She didn't kiss a lot of guys on the show. In fact, I can only think of two. So, who did she kiss in the episode called Strangers? Anybody? Anybody? Lisa, again. Bob. That's right. I believe the only people that she was romantically involved with on her time on the show was Bob and Abraham. All right. Let's do another Walking Dead one. Uh, locations. What message was scratched on Father Gabriel's church? You got to do this. This is a quote, so you got to nail it in order to get credit for it. No, uh, no points for second place on this one. What message was scratched on Father Gabriel's church? Anybody? Nobody? Come on. I'll give you a few more seconds, and then I'll reveal the answer. Lisa writes, oh, crap. <laughs> well, here it is. The message is, you'll burn for this. You will burn for this. That was the message that his congregation scratched outside the church as he locked him out and left them for dead. All right, let's do our next article. Now, there's a, another Netflix horror movie, surprise, surprise, uh, called The Swarm, and it's skin-crawlingly creepy. Set on an idyllic French farm, The Swarm is metaphorically speaking about the horrors of running a small business. In a more literal sense, though, it's about being eaten alive by a plague of bloodthirsty locusts. A gripping little horror story for all you cottagecore fantasists out there. Uh, Suleyane Brahim stars as Virgine, the stressed single mother of two kids, teenage Laura and seven-year-old Gaston. After the death of her husband, Virginie is trying to build a new life as a locust farmer breeding insects in a greenhouse-like enclosure. The business is not going well despite her high-protein content. Locust-based foodstuffs are not a lucrative market. Virginie is also a very effective saleswoman. Facing the likelihood that her locusts won't lay enough eggs to turn a profit, she becomes short-tempered and careless, starting fights with potential customers and drawing the ire of her teenage daughter. But then Virginie stumbles across an unexpected solution. When the locusts eat human blood, they become incredibly profitably productive. That's something imaginative. It's easy to imagine a glossy American version of the swarm involving a lot more screaming and running around, 
but director just Philippot is working squarely in the European European independent movie zone. The teenage characters look and act like actual teens. They are complicated family dynamics at play. The first half of the film is a straightforward drama, wrapping up the tension around Virginie's seemingly doomed business venture. She makes bad decision after bad decision, rebuffing the help of her unreasonably friendly neighbor, Kareem, when the sci-fi horror elements kick in during the film's second act. Uh, they're all... They are all the more effective because the feeling, the settings feel so real. The swarm, swarm works perfectly well as a straightforward monster movie, reveling in the creepiness of flesh-eating insects. It's not for the faint-hearted, but it's not an outright gore-fest either. However, the thing that really makes this film memorable is the character work. Virginie's Locust Farm makes for a unique setting, and Sulayn Brahim offers us a fascinating, watchable protagonist. Obsessed with expanding the farm, her ambitions require a literal toll of blood. You could read this as an allegory for modern capitalism, but it's also a horror genre classic. A character who willfully ignores their self-preservation instincts and resultingly pays the ultimate price. So, if you guys are interested to eat some bloodthirsty uh, locusts, check out The Swarm on Netflix. Khaleesi writes, uh, I've seen a preview for this. I have not. I haven't seen any preview or trailer for this, but it does sound interesting. Uh, Anita answers to the previous questions. You will burn for this. Okay, let's go back into the horror category. Let's do some comedy. What pop star does Chucky run off? Oh, wait, we read. No, 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 no. Let's do another one. Uh, let's do. Let's do paranormal. No. Okay, let, you know what? Change of mind again. Let's go to Slasher. What was the name of the actor who played the titular Phantom in Phantom of the Opera? 1925. And it's Lon Chaney Sr. Nobody was going to guess that. So hold on. I'm mixing up my cards here. Because we're doing questions that we've already done let's go back and do slasher again all right what footloose from 1984 actor was also in friday the 13th these are too easy but does anybody know this what 1984 actor from the movie footloose was also in the original friday the 13th come on just a clue of the original Footloose. Should give it away. Kevin Bacon. There you go. Khaleesi and Lisa came up with that. All right. Good job, guys. All right. Let's stay on this uh, category. Slasher. What, what character in Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, from 1988 has telekinetic powers. 
What is the name of the character from Friday the 13th Part 7 called The New Blood from 1988 has telekinetic powers? And I would not have remembered the character's name. So this is a hard one. I'd be impressed if any of you guys got this one. Uh, I see you guys. Jackson uh, is with us. St. Michael Scott. No. He also writes Bill Gates. No. Wasn't Bill Gates. The character's name is Tina Shepard. Tina Shepard. All right, let's go back to The Walking Dead. And let's do characters. Who, along with Carol, left the church and chased after a car with the white cross? This is easy. Who, along with Carol, left the church and chased after a car with a white cross? Again, this is related to Beth. But who uh, who ran off with uh, Carol? Daryl, Lisa, good job. It was Daryl. He's the one. They were out about in the back talking. I think Carol was trying to run away again. Daryl caught up to her. Then they saw the car go by. And that ultimately led them to where Beth was being held. Okay. All right. All right. Here's a good one. This is also in uh, characters. What was the name of Gareth's, Gareth's, Gareth's mother? What was Gareth's mother's name? Anybody remember? Character name. Just the first name. Anybody remember Gareth's uh, mother's first name? Crickets. Crickets. Anybody? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody's going to get it. So, all right. The name of his mother was Mary. Mary. And uh, she was just as twisted as her son. Ah, Lisa came in, but I'm assuming it took you that long just to type in five letters, four letters there, Lisa. But, you know, you were the only one who came in with the answer. All right, let's do another one. Um, oh, that's too easy. Let's go to episodes again. What is the name of the premiere ep- Oh, God, we just talked about this, too. What is the name of the premiere episode of season five? What is the name of the premiere episode of season five? Lisa says I'm typing on my cell. Use voice dictation, Lisa. It'll be a lot faster. What is the name of the premiere episode of season five? Anybody know? What was uh, the Walking Dead season five, episode one called? Consume? Nope. And it's not A either. This is actually a pretty famous one. I, somebody out there should know it. I mean, the episode is, you know, the premiere of season five is probably one of my favorite, if not the favorite episode of mine of The Walking Dead. That's uh, when we see everybody at Terminus. 
the you know when they're all lined up gagged bound in front of that trough getting a bat to the back of the head and getting their throats sliced where of course carol comes in and saves the day uh khaleesi writes after nope you're gonna you're gonna smack yourselves when you hear the answer but the answer the, the name of that episode is no sanctuary that is what the premiere episode of season five is called. No Sanctuary. Let's go to Wild Card. Another Gareth question. What did Gareth call Michonne when he ordered the group one by one into the train car? And I honestly don't remember. Okay. What did Gareth call Michonne when he ordered her into the train car? Anybody? Any guesses out there? Oh. Again, nothing but quiet. Lisa says Samurai Warrior. You are right. It was just Samurai. Just Samurai. When he ordered her into that uh, train car, he just called her Samurai. Okay. Let's go to the dead. As Rick and Carl fled the prison, who did they fear was dead? I mean, they feared for everyone, but who in particular? Remember when uh, Carl is helping his dad away from the prison and Rick tells Carl, don't look back. Who were they afraid was dead? Judith, Khaleesi, good job. It was Judith. They came upon her car seat, which was soaked in blood. It was soaked in blood. All right, let's go back to regular horror. And let's go to gore and disturbing. Who played the role of Nikki Brand in Videodrome, 1983? I've seen this movie. Who played the role of Nikki Brand in Videodrome, 1983. It's a singer. And one of her biggest songs... I'm giving you guys hits, hints, because you're not going to guess it any other way. She had a hit song called Rapture, going back to the 70s and the 80s. If you guys need more clues, come on. What's the name of the, uh, who played the role of Nikki Brand in Videodrome? Come on. Rapture. Debbie Harry. Good job. Good job, Lisa. All right. Let's go to Paranormal. I'm sorry. I just feel like doing a lot of trivia tonight. Uh, let's go to Paranormal. In the Amityville Horror, the original 1979, what character invites a priest to bless the house? George Lutz, Kathy Lutz, or Father Delaney? This is easy. Who invites the priest to come bless the house in the original Amityville Horror? Is it George, Kathy, or Father Delaney? You have a one out of three chance. 
Kathy, good job, Khaleesi. All right, let's move on to our next article. And let's see, this, I just caught this headline, and for some reason, it caught my attention. It, uh, it goes, Broke Horror Fan announces limited edition of Tragedy Girls VHS. This Friday the 13th, uh, a VHS to die for. Broke Horror Fan just announced their latest limited edition tape drop, Tragedy Girls. Yes, this is a fully functional, honest-to-goodness VHS tape. The problem is, who actually has a VCR? Tragedy Girls director Tyler McIntyre had this to say about this morning's announcement. I couldn't be more excited about the package that Witter Entertainment and Broke Horror Fan have put together. There's tons of behind-the-scenes footage that was shot on set that has never been included in any release. Most of this stuff is even new to me. As someone who grew up on VHS, which I'm definitely in that category, I think it's a really great way to experience the film and a perfect addition to the collection of any slasher film. So, producer Armin uh, Agian is equally as excited for the drop. I'm thrilled our film is going to finally be seen the way it was intended to be seen on SD, not HD, quality VHS technology. I love everything about this limited edition release. A big thank you to Broke Horror Fan and, and Witter Entertainment. Oh, God, can you guys imagine uh, VHS making a comeback? I hope not. I know that, uh, you know, regular LP albums, uh, there are a lot, there's a big, large group of people out there that love vinyl and prefer that over digital or CDs. And turntables have come back. Uh, record players have come back. But I really hope we, you know, VHS had its time. Uh, I hope it doesn't come back. I really don't. If you want to mimic the quality of a VHS tape, you can do that easily with uh, digital and just adding a couple of filters. It's not that difficult. All right, what else do we have? Uh, dive down the rabbit hole with six of the best conspiracy horror films conspiracy theories can be dangerous when taken at face value especially now that the internet has made it hard for some folks to tell the difference between true and fake news however when used as storytelling tool conspiratorial thinking can also serve as a reminder about the merits of questioning authority and fighting back on an unfair status quo. This rebellious spirit is likely the reason why these theories have inspired so many great movies, from alien abductions to secret societies manipulating world events, from behind the scenes, paranoid narratives often lead to great storytelling, and that's why we've decided to come up with a list of six of the best conspiracy horror films. After all, it can occasionally be fun to put on the proverbial tinfoil hat 
and dive down a, conspir a, a, a conspiracy rabbit hole. Naturally, there are several great movies that didn't quite make the cut to, uh, from uh, Weed William Friedkin's Bug to John Carpenter's They Live. So don't forget to share your own in the comments. So let's see what they come up with. Number five is The X-File. Well, actually, number six is Pi, 1998. Number five is The X-Files, The Fight for the Future from 1998. Number four is The Vast of Night from 2019. Number three is Project Avalanche from 2016 on how the moon landing was faked. Number two is The Conspiracy. Now, I've recently seen this movie, and I think I mentioned it about it. I talked about it as well. Let's read a little bit more about The Conspiracy. Another found footage flick, Christopher McBride's The Conspiracy, inspired by the real Bohemian Grove footage that leaked back in 2000. For those who don't remember, the amateur video sparked rumors that world leaders routinely gather in a private club to participate in occult rituals and plan a new world order. The details of this particular conspiracy theory obviously sound a bit absurd when you say them out loud, but they do make for a fun, scary movie dealing with secret societies and the horrors of human sacrifice. It's not a perfect experience, but I would recommend conspiracy to both conspiracy nuts and casual horror fans looking for some paranoid thrills. And it's a good movie. I can't really knock it. I was impressed. Number one on the list is Jacob's Ladder from 1990. How many of you have seen Jacob's Ladder? Tim Robbins. That was another good movie. Uh, let's see. Salma wants to know what is this live for? That's a good question. Salma, we are here just discussing horror. Nothing more, nothing less. It's Friday night. We're just kicking back, doing some horror trivia going over the latest headlines and news, and that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. All right, let's do some more questions. And let's do The Walking Dead, events and milestones. Who left a message in blood besides the railroad tracks for Glenn? This is easy. Who left a message in blood besides the railroad tracks for Glenn? When Maggie... Oh, I just gave it away. I just gave away the answer. I was going to say when Maggie and Glenn were separated after the uh, prison fell. Sorry about that. Salma says, oh, you're actually answering. By the way, thanks. No problem, Salma. Always happy to help. So let's see, what else? Let's see, what category do we go to next? Let's do characters. What name did the governor use when he met the, the, uh, the, the Chambers family? That's Tara's family. What name did the governor use when he met Tara and the family? 
I did not remember this. Lisa, if you can get this one, this will impress me. When the governor met up with Tara and her family, what name did he give them? Ooh, Khaleesi, Brian. Good job, Khaleesi and Lisa. There's also a last name here. You guys remember the last name? Anita also got it right. I did not remember that. The last name is Hiriot. Brian Hiriot. I have I had totally, totally forgotten about that. Alright, let's stick with characters. Um when they met Rick's group, with whom was Rosita? Oh, this is easy. When they met with Rick's group, with whom was Rosita romantically involved with? Come on, who's the fastest to type? Who was Rosita romantically involved with when they met up with uh, Tara and Glenn? Abraham, Zoe, good job. Good job, Zoe. Chimed in first. Nice. Let's uh, let's go to locations. In what building did Daryl sleep in a coffin? The answer is sort of in the question. In what building did Daryl sleep in a coffin? Like I said, the answer is you can never have watched a Walking Dead episode. And if you just read the question and take a guess. Yep. Yep, you guys got it. Lisa says funeral home. Khaleesi the same. Zoe mortuary, same thing. Good job. All right, let's go to wild card. What animal did Beth and Daryl hear outside of the funeral home? I don't... What animal did Beth and Daryl hear outside the funeral home? I do not remember. Dog. Zoe. You're on fire now. Good job. It was a dog. Good job, guys. Let's go to the dead. Okay. Now, which of Joe's group did Rick strangle? Remember Joe and the Marauders, the Claimers? as they're sometimes called. Which of Joe's group did Rick strangle? I'll give you a hint. It's not the night where Rick bit Joe's neck, uh, juggle, uh, you know, his juggler out. It's when Rick encountered them in that house and he strangled this person, left him to turn while Rick escaped which really pissed Joe off. But what was the name of that person that Rick strangled in that house that he left them to turn? Anybody know? This is hard. Uh, Khaleesi writes, yeah, it was in the bathroom. You're correct. You got the right scene. Do you remember what was the name of the character? I don't think you guys are going to get this. The name of the character was, uh, yeah, you guys are drawing a blank. I didn't know it either. Lou. 
Lou was the name of the character that uh, Rick strangled. Let's stay with Wild Card. What was Bob's profession before the outbreak? What did Bob do before the zombie apocalypse? I think he might have only mentioned this like once. Zoe, a medic. Good job, Zoe. Alright, you guys are doing great. Let's go back to episodes, the hardest category. In the episode titled Indifference, what were the names of the young couple Rick and Carol encountered in an abandoned house? And of that couple, the male person, they also encountered him in the season five premiere, uh, lined up in front of that trough. And he also went on to play Penguin in Gotham. So, in the episode Indifference, what were the names of that young couple Rick and Carol encountered in the abandoned house? Khaleesi writes Sam. Okay, that's one of them. Sam was his name, was the name of one of them. What was the girl's name? Anybody remember the girl's name? I believe uh, uh, she was taken by walkers. And I think Rick witnessed it, if I'm remembering correctly. Anybody remember her name? I don't think anyone's going to get this. No one? It was Sam and Anna. That's who they found. And no happy endings for the both of them. So, let's do one question. One more question. Uh, let's see. Let's go to wild card. What place did Daryl here broadcasted over the car radio? What place did Daryl here broadcasted over the car radio? You guys remember? Hey, Ange. We got Ange with us, blowing us kisses. Welcome to the show, Ange. Uh, Lisa says Terminus. Uh, Khaleesi says Atlanta CDC. Then the correct person is Lisa. It was Terminus. Anita also chimed in with Terminus. That is the correct answer. All right. So in the remaining time we have left, Let's talk a little bit about director David Gordon Green. He directed the Halloween 2018, uh, Halloween Kills coming up in October, and then Halloween Ends in uh, next year. So let's see. In genre filmmaking, transitioning can be one of the most frustrating things to deal with. We are going to be looking at the Halloween director, David Gordon Green. He went from Arkansas to Texas to North Carolina. He was born April 9th, 1975 in Little Rock, Arkansas. 
He broke into the industry, making his cinematic debut with an independent film he wrote, directed, and produced called George Washington. George Washington received a limited release from Cowboy Pictures in October of 2000. The film was a drama that gained critical acclaim, even selected by legendary film reviewer Roger Ebert for his list of the best films for the year 2000. Now, going on to bigger budgets, David returned to critical acclaim with the release of 2007's Snow Angel, starring Kate Beckinsale and Sam Rockwell. Uh, He's also dabbled in uh, comedy. David Gordon followed up the 2007 character drama with the 2008 stoner comedy, a little cult classic right here, Pineapple Express, a change that seemed drastic but helped David stand out as a director. The film was generally well-received and was a financial success, bringing in over $100 million. The film also marked the first collaboration between David and comedian Danny McBride, a partnership which would lay the ground for numerous, numerous comedic reprisals. Now, returning back to independent films, following the experience from uh, the sitter, David would return to indie cinema with, with a movie called Prince Avalanche and Joe, both of them both getting critical acclaim. David would go on to separate himself from the comedic genre and return to drama, a move that was secretly aiming him at a massive leap into horror. The films released, uh, the films released after Joe would be generally mixed-reviewed films, but all that changes with the release of the film Stronger, based on, Bo- on the Boston Marathon bombing victim Jeff Bauman. While the film was well-received by critics, it wasn't a strong performer and did underperform at the box office. Now, into Halloween. After a series of failed attempts to produce a follow-up to Rob Zombie's reboot of the Halloween franchise, the rights left Dimensions Films and reverted back to Miramax, who partnered with Blumhouse Productions and Universal to breathe new life into the franchise. Uh, Producer Jason Blum's first action was to bring in John Carpenter to help generate an authentic reboot of the franchise. Along producer Jason Blum, Carpenter began taking pictures of where to take the franchise next. Out of nowhere, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride received an opportunity to pitch their version for what would become Halloween 2018. Now, following a dynamic pitch, the film sped through pre-production with a script written and casting beginning in September of 2017. Shooting started in January of 2018 and reshots were completed by 2018. Things were quickly falling into place for the new film and it was completed and released on October 19th of that year. And let me tell you, for everything to happen within a single year like that is super fast. 
Hollywood does not normally work that fast. But for Halloween 2018, just like we just mentioned right now, everything just fell into place. And of course, Halloween 2018 was freaking amazing. Now, David's film uh, released and was met with financial and critical acclaim, being beloved by all 2018's Halloween. It was a needed shot in the arm for the franchise and grabbed attention once again and breathed new life into the notorious Michael Myers. Shortly after the box office numbers came in, Blumhouse announced a sequel to the film would be made, later making an announcement for two sequels to finish off this uh, new trilogy with Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Alongside the success of Halloween, David Gordon Green has been hired to breathe new life into the Exorcist franchise, as well as develop a Hellraiser TV series for HBO. So this guy, keep an eye on him. He's been around for a while, and he's got a lot of great stuff coming up. So good job to David Gordon Green. I want to thank you guys for tuning in tonight. We are out of time. I hope everyone has a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. We have two more guests coming up next week. Go to our website, check out who's coming up, and get all of our information, prior episodes, and a lot more. Uh, Stay safe. Again, have a great weekend. And until next week, stay walking. Good night.